Hello and welcome to War Council. Uh, my name is Caleb Dillon. My name is Justin Jones. And War Council is a uh, show about 40K and things 40K related and things wargaming related. Uh, Justin, how are you doing today? Uh, doing all right. How about yourself? Good. Um, so uh, this is episode eight, and this episode is all about cosplay. Uh, we've got a couple of guest speakers we're going to be speaking with later on in the, in the podcast. We figured that since uh, Halloween was uh, right around this time of year, we would use this as an opportunity to talk about costumes and specifically cosplay and how people get involved in that and and sort of what uh, you know what they're all about. And um, we uh, are going to be speaking with Joe and Jen from The Screaming Heretic, who are avid cosplayers. Well, Jen is. I think Joe's just sort of does it because he loves her. Um, but both Jen and, uh, and a lot of people in that crew sort of get together. And, uh, but before we get all to that, um, we've got a couple uh, bits of bookkeeping we're going to go through first. So why don't we start off with a little sit rep today. Uh, Justin, what have you been up to hobby-wise recently? Uh, mostly Death Watch. Cool. Related stuff. Um, as a brief side note, I did finally pick up my copy of the Dark Elf Army book. Have not had an opportunity to go through it recently, but um, as far as Death Watch is concerned, uh, we've really broken free of the the Fantasy Flight game stuff, and now it's more of a kind of a choose your own, almost a choose your own mission kind of thing. The the GM he will basically say, okay, here's your galactic map. Pick, you know, you, it's up to you to decide where your kill team is going to do the most good strategically. Because, at least in the fluff, when you deploy an Astartes strike force, it's always a strategic asset, um, you know, given the way they operate. So, we've actually been fighting with uh, Tal recently. Um, and uh, a couple of things about that. We have just recently recruited a new player to our group. Uh, he is a gentleman living in Malaysia. So if you're listening to this episode of the podcast, Chun, welcome to the team. And thanks for uh, putting up with our nonsense. Um, and the other cool thing is, and this is this is more hobby related or directly related to miniatures, Our uh, one of our... Uh, players uh my buddy alan he is actually going to kit bash and then paint up models representing each one of our uh, astartes in the kill team nice so we'll have a blood angel a dark well two dark angels technically uh including my character a an ultramarine and you know provided that uh we can keep our newest recruit and you know given that there is a 12-hour difference between you know here in the u.s and and malaysia uh, a salamander so that's basically what i've been up to lately uh what about yourself um well it's been uh it's been pretty busy here i've got a couple conferences or i guess conventions coming up the next couple weeks so i've been kind of getting ready for that i've been getting ready for uh, the 11th Company GT, which is I mean, Myrtle Beach, and I'm putting together a little list for that. Um, now that's a that's a GT, and I, I I generally just go to these sorts of things just as sort of a networking opportunity. Um, so I'm taking a, a list that I sold off a couple of my Tyranid uh, forces. So I'm taking a Demons list only because when I was looking through my cabinet, I was like, this is kind of all I have <laughs> right now. I'm kind of between armies at the moment, so to speak. So um, I sort of looked for the most converted stuff I had 
thought, you know, this will be a fun opportunity to showcase some of my work. Um, unfortunately, none of it's painted, um, so it's all going to be plain gray. But uh, it'll be a fun opportunity to show, show some, uh, some some converted models. So I'm getting ready for that, and I'm getting ready for another conference in Charlotte, which is Mace, uh, the following weekend. Uh, and then it's Thanksgiving, or uh, Thanksgiving, as we're doing it, because we're going to be doing a Thanksgiving-style podcast for that holiday, and we're going to be talking all about tanks. Um, uh, so, let's see. Uh, the Help for Heroes project is starting to wind down. Most of the people who have been contributing to that have been finishing up their models. Um, just as a reminder, I was doing an Aegis line and as a hunter-stalker, and those are almost done. I'm putting the finishing touches on them now, and I'll have pictures of that up on the blog and the website and the Facebook page. Um, I am working with uh, a few local artists. I've managed to find three local artists now that it looks like are, are going to be doing some projects for us. So we've expanded our painting ranks a little bit. So that's pretty good. Um, one of them, um, she was teaching a, a painting class at uh, the local hobby shop. And so I kind of met her through that. And so what's nice about this is that it allows me to basically pay some local artists to do some work in the style of the studio and it allows me to focus on things like, you know, basically finding new clients and networking opportunities and going to events and press and that sort of thing. And it gives me a chance to sort of push my business beyond just painting. Um, cause I think all too often painting services get bogged down because you're kind of a one man person show and, and you're basically doing everything from building to painting to advertising. And, and I hear this time and time again, that people just get really, busy with everything and it gets hard to focus and and i've run into some of that myself so i I felt the need to sort of outsource a little bit and to diversify and um and on that same token i've been working with goat boy who we've um, sort of podcasted with once or twice and he and i are working on a a necron orc conversion army um so he kind of i pitched him the idea of this army he did a couple models sent on my way i really liked it uh, and I liked the concept art for it, so we decided to go all out and actually do an army. So we have a list now, and we've started to uh, accumulate some models, and we're starting to convert them now. And hopefully we'll have something, I would say sometime in the first of the year, we'll have some uh, an army to show for it. Um, Necrons and orcs? Yeah, so it's, it's kind of a concept I'm playing with. It's like a dual army. So the idea is that um, one of the problems with a basic army in my opinion, is that you have an army, you play the army that way, that you get bored of it after a while. So the idea with a dual army is that you take an army and you convert it into something unique, and you are able to field it two different ways. Um, and Necrons and Orcs are a great example of a way to do this, because with, with Necrons, they're very mechanical. With Orcs, they're almost biomechanical in that they're cyborgs and they're cyborg bodies and all that sort of stuff. So the idea was that we take a Necron army and a little orc army and we kind of smush it all together and make it look like the the orcs have looted a Necron force that they defeated. Um, And the goal is is that you should be able to play it two ways. So, for example, um, uh, what would be an orcy battle barge in an orc list would be an orcy monolith in a Necron list. And what would be an orky, let's say, uh, ghost arc in a Necron list would be uh, a looted wagon with a boom cannon. So the idea is you take a list and you sort of make models that could be representative of either. Um, and you play them probably what, whichever way you want, depending on the situation. Um, it's basically a show army. We're doing it really to showcase what we can do. For me, I'm doing it to showcase what I can build. Uh, Goat Boy's going to be doing some of the conversion work, and he'll be doing most of the paint. I think I'm going to just let him go ahead and paint it because I liked his work on the, the sample figures. Um, so it'll be kind of a fun army. You guys should call them Norcrons, I guess. We've been playing with different names. We've played with Necrorks. We've played with Orcrons or, or whatever. Um, 
So I like it because I like orcs because they allow me to convert, just really have some fun. Yeah. They're wacky. They're almost comical. Um, so it's been a lot of fun to sort of put together a list for that. And it, it, with some armies, this is simpler. Like, for example, I've been pitching around um, like a Dark Mechanicum list for a while, and I've been pitching around uh, like a Soul Drinkers list for a while. And these are armies that you can kind of kitbash very simply. Like, for example, the Soul Drinkers list, you can kind of just kitbash Marines and, and Chaos and, and kind of play it almost either way. But it's a lot simpler. Um, uh, so this is an opportunity to, to really just have some fun, do some converting, and just sort of stretch our creative muscles, which I really enjoy. That's cool. Yeah, it'll be fun. Um, and so we're doing that. Um, I've been trying to get a couple classes going at the local game store, uh, but I find that most of the people there are more interested in playing than, than learning. Um, I think because it's a new game store, Event Horizon Games, they, they just don't have the crowd in place yet. So I'll pitch three or four different classes and I'll let them know that when we get six or so people signed up, that we'll go ahead and assemble the class and, you know, like Avengers Assemble style. Uh, <laughs> but it hasn't happened so far. We've only got three or four in most of the classes. So we're still waiting on a couple of those. Once those happen, then we'll have those up and running. Um, and, and it kind of happened that way because I had set up a speed painting class and I, I had nobody show. Uh, so the, I, the idea was that we're going to show up and I was going to give them tips on painting models faster and then no one came to the class um so i kind of felt like an idiot and i was like there's got to be a better way to do this so we went about it in reverse where we set up a meetup and we don't put a date there and now people can just sign up at their leisure and when we get enough people signed up we then schedule the class and if people can make it great and if they can't no big deal um so you know and, and one of the new painters was teaching one of those classes, and I, I tried to get to that class that she was teaching, but unfortunately it was my wife's anniversary, and me and my her anniversary, so I couldn't get away. Yeah, <laughs> you might not want to mess around with that. So there's a lot of stuff there. The only other thing, uh, and I finished up, let's see, I finished up a Storm Eagle for a client, and I'm working on a, a couple work uh, models for a trade. Um, this is something I'm kind of playing with now, where people contact me, and if they want something done, but they don't have... Uh, money, which is common, uh, then they can contact me about working out a trade. So in this case, the guy wanted two orcs, one with a custom force field and one with a, um, what is that thing, the shooting thing that shoots the grots, shock attack gun? Yeah. So he wanted one of each of those, and he was willing to let me do it any way I wanted, so I found a really old one and I converted it up, and it saved a little money there. And in exchange, he's in Australia, and he sent me just a ton of orc bits. Nice. Um, so I kind of felt like it was a fair trade, and because we were doing the network project, it was a perfect timing. I was like, absolutely send on all the bits. And uh, so it kind of worked out well. So if anyone out there is interested in doing a project, but they're a little short on cash, you know, contact me. Um, you can contact me through Caleb at whitemetalgames.com and let me know what you got in mind, and let me know what you're thinking about trading, and maybe we can work something out. You know, I'm willing to work with you and if you got some old models to consign maybe we can do that and help you know get some get something going for you um so lots coming up the only other thing that's on the pike really i'm, I'm kind of quiet on the commission front right now but i was doing i've done some work for um jim goss over at war games factory recently he's been having me do some zombies and they've got a uh 15 millimeter dreamforge leviathan that he's going to let me play with coming up soon um so he's going to send me one of those and let me assemble it and paint it um, and so if that, uh, if that goes well, then there's a chance that he could have me building and painting those in the same way I was building and painting the zombies for his demo games. Nice. Um, so that's a lot of fun. I really like that because it allows me to really play with models and get exposure to models I would not normally work with. 
Right. Um, and it really, at no cost to me, I don't pay for the product. He just gets me the product and I just build it. And then, so it gives me the opportunity, kind of like the Storm Eagle, where I did that at a discount because I just wanted the experience of working with a kit. So, so yeah. So, 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 so nobody's taking you up on your challenge about dropping that in, uh, the entirety of the Ultramarines chapter on you then? No, not yet. That has not happened yet. <laughs> so thank God. That would be quite a project. <laughs> um, I've got one project in potentially in the works. And uh, if that project were to happen, it would be about a three- or four-month commission. Um, so that would be awesome because it would book me for about three or four months solid. It would not be the Ultramarine chapter. <laughs> okay. But um, one of the nice things about working with local painters is that when we have extra work come in and I don't have the ability to handle all of it, in theory, I can outsource. So if someone comes in and they're like, I want to do a, you know, whatever, a Space Marine Army, and I'm like, I'm booked solid for three months, but my new painter, John, is available, then I can outsource to him, and it's kind of a share of the wealth kind of thing. Like, I bring the clients to the business. John is able to paint the models. Um, we share a percentage of profit. The client gets their models. John makes money. I make a little money. So everybody wins, and it's it's building the business in the direction I want it to go. So... Um, it's nice, you know. Even yeah. if I get booked up for the next couple of months, which I would love to do, um, I, I don't necessarily have to turn away clients that I normally would. And that's been one of those things that outsourcing has taught me because uh, I, I outsourced five or six projects over the last three or four months. One of the cl- one of the guys I sent one squad to, and it's taken him twelve weeks to do one squad. And wow. it's one of those things that I think that he just had such a devout following, and he had just taken on so many projects that he just couldn't get to it. Um, and I learned from that, I was like, you can't do it on your own forever. Eventually your business grows to the point you have to find help. And, uh, right, you right. Know, and, and it's hard, good help's hard to find, which is why it's a challenge, but it's a challenge. I feel like you have to eventually meet as a, as a, as a painting studio. So, um, let's move on a little bit to uh, lookout sirs. And this is the segment of the show where we talk about what's coming up down the pike and what is recently released. Um, lots of new releases right now. Lots of new stuff coming out. Um, I, you know, it's almost hard to start. Uh, a lot of digital stuff. Uh, Blood Angels, the digital codex, is coming out. Uh, the uh, Sisters of Battle digital version just came out. New rules in that. Uh, haven't had a chance to look over that. Did you have a lot of experience with the, the sisters? Did you ever play them or play against them? Uh, actually, I had a friend. It's funny because that was the first Warhammer army he picked up was Battle Sisters, and that was he found out the hard way that they're the most expensive army in 40k to collect, given that yeah, all pewter still right. And I, I haven't faced I haven't faced them under the new rules, but under the old rules frustrating as hell given some of their abilities um celestine was a big thing they um she was kind of a, an ultra an, an automatic pick because she kept coming back right or you'd have the canonist with one of her faith powers hey look i've got a two plus invulnerable save now and there's nothing you can do about it yeah you know? or the exorcist uh tank and now keep in mind when i fought Battle Sisters, this was my first year or so in 40k, um, so I was relatively new and was relatively intimidated by some of those uh, models and units. But, you know, now some of the armies I run um, and some of the, the tactics I have, I wouldn't be nearly as frightened of that army, you know, or as intimidated by that army, you know, now as I would have been back then. 
But yeah. as players, we mature, we get better, we learn more about different armies, right. and we're better able to handle the challenge. Yeah, you know, and and I've learned about you know how to deploy better or how to play. You know, I mean, for example, if 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 my friend ran that army and he did, he played the the way he normal he used to play. Uh, I could take him with a drop pod assault. You know. Yeah. So. But you know, it's it was a. I, I have played against that army. Uh, they're frustrating, or they were. I don't know how they are now. Uh, but I think that if if Games Workshop wants to start moving that army, they really need to go to plastic with their with their battle sisters. You know, because it's just you know they're pewter and they're old, and you know it, it, they just need to change the army up a bit, add some dynamism to to the, uh, the model range. I, uh, I posted an article very briefly a short time ago where I did a, uh, a gravity gun conversion, and it really got trolled. It wasn't a very popular article, but one of the comments in the article was the guy was like, you know, I, I do like your work. Would you consider doing a new Sisters Army? And I sort of looked around, and there's some stuff out there for doing a Sisters Army, but not a lot. The Sisters have a really unique look. Um, yes, and, you know, there's some armies out there where people have put out some miniatures that are like the toughest girls in the galaxy is a good example of this. But they're not the battle nuns that we come to expect with sisters. And um, I, I actually really like the idea of sisters. I love the notion of this army that every one of them is a bride of the emperor, kind of like the way like nuns are brides of, of Christ in the Christian faith. And I just think it's a really cool idea. And I think it brings something unique, you know, to that faction that's just just really cool. I would love to do one of those armies, but I do find the figures very uninspiring by today's standards, and you know, and I don't have a good way to do a conversion army for that yet. And so right now, I don't have any plans to touch it anytime soon. But I, I would love for them to release some cool, cool figures. Um, I mean, I guess you could do some conversion work with some of the elf stuff, some of like the right. sisters of Lauren and that sort of thing. But it'd be really conversion heavy. It'd be a lot of work. It'd be a lot of money, and I just don't know if it'd be worth your time. Um, I have to look at the bottom line on those sorts of things, but yeah, yeah. So, um, we've kind of decided as a podcast that we're not going to get into a lot of the rules, um, because we just feel like there's a lot of podcasts out there that cover that. Um, so we're not going to get into a bunch of the rules now. Um, we, we will say just as a gloss over point that they have changed some of the rules. So it's worth checking out. I know the faith points I heard went away and they were replaced with like squad abilities or something, um, like faith powers or something. Yeah, um, which I think is probably more in balance, and Celestine can only come back like once now, and so I feel like this is a good opportunity where GW listened to the fans and they responded. I think overall, so that was nice. Yes. Um, so uh, other stuff coming up down. The, well, normally in Lookout Sirs we talk about what actually is out, so I guess we should say what is out. Um, Triumph and Treachery just came out, and Battlezone Pandarax, and. Uh, so the Battlezone book is one of the new Warzone books, which these are books with rules for uh, usually Apocalypse, but I think they also have some rules in there for like Cities of Death and Planet Strike. Um, so they're kind of just a general supplement, and this was originally released, I think, in the special release edition of uh, the 40K main rulebook, one of the collector sets. Yeah. So it was one of those things that I think that people wanted it, and it finally came back out. These are traditionally very cheap supplements. They're only about 33 bucks. Um, I did an in-depth review of the last one, which kind of made Rob at Spiky Bits a little mad because he nor- he normally does those. So when I posted one on Bell, he was like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> yeah. Um, I I don't know if I'll be reviewing that one. I think I'll probably give that one over to him because he already 
did that months and months ago. But Triumph and Treachery just came out, and you're a big Warhammer player. What do you what do you think of that? Do you do you know what that's all about? It seems like it, it's kind of like a an alternate way to play the game and sort of a backhanded roguish style of play. It's it's all about if I understand the description correctly, it's all about adding multiplayer to games of Warhammer Fantasy where you'd have three to five people sitting around playing. Uh, I don't know how that's going to work considering the way fantasy games of fantasy play. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to assume that they did put some thought into this as to how you know one would go about playing a game like that. It seems to me it's almost a little bit like apocalypse in a way yeah it kind of feels like an apocalypse of fantasy i I don't know how big the games are supposed to get um they've had some successful supplements storm and magic and um yes some different ones so um do you you think there's any chance this might carry over into 40k sort of like a a shattered alliances kind of thing where you know you can form tentative alliances on the table but then backstab each other like you know uh, it could. I, I guess it's it's really going to ultimately depend of, upon the success of Triumph and Treachery. Yeah, that's fair. Um, you know, we'll, we'll have to see from there what actually happens. Now, it'd be neat as part of an overarching uh, campaign. I, I like how actively they're releasing new stuff like this. Yes. Uh, I feel like... Companies like Wizards of the Coast and, and uh, you know, Path, not Pathfinder, what are they called? Paizo yeah. has been actively releasing gaming products just well, product after product to where you can't keep up. And uh, it allows you to sort of focus on the things you want to focus on. Right. So this is definitely a change for them in a business model. It's, it's new, and uh, I, I generally like it. I think it's pretty good. Yeah. A friend, a friend and I were talking about that uh, a while back, uh, not too long ago, actually, saying that the uh, we definitely like the direction that GW is going. Yeah, so kudos, GW. Good job. Um, dark Elves Wave 2 is out, and you are a Dark Elf player and have been for many, many years. And yes. you, you got the new army book. Um, what do you think of the newest release? Do you like, specifically, I guess, Wave 2? Wave 2 had the, uh, what do they call them, the Executioners with all the Jason masks. And uh, what else was in Wave 2? Um, a chariot. There was a chariot in Wave 2. Yeah, I, I'm I'm happy that they have released new executioner models, uh, and I think you can build Blackguard and the Riders. They built the, they, yeah. they had a new kit to the Riders. Yes, and and I like that fact, but I'm also irritated because I have the all the old style Blackguard, all right. the pewter, and as I recall, we converted up a bunch of Riders for you too. Yes, uh, you did a bunch of Riders for me, like a dozen or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because they were some of the best light cav in the game, and they, I think they still are. Um, but as far as the new, the you know, I, I've looked a little bit at the book. Malaketh is just too, still too goddamn expensive. <laughs> yeah, you've said that before. So. He's like he's he's still five hundred something, and that's, that's without his dragon. That's like a quarter of your army before you even get the dragon. So right, that's pretty massive. So yeah. you you would never field him in a game. Is that what you're saying? You know, I'd have to look at the rules for him sure. because if, if if the rules are better for him, maybe on mm-hmm. a on a lark. But if mm-hmm. I were to build a dark elf competitive list, not a chance in hell. Okay, nice. Well, um, on that note, why don't we take a brief break 
And uh, when we come back, we'll be speaking with Jen and Joe from Screaming Heretic about cosplay uh, and about uh, costuming and opportunities. If you ever see those people running around at cons and conventions in crazy outfits, these are those kind of folks. So we're going to talk to them about their two cents on that and get their sort of unique take on it. And uh, more of that uh, when we come back. Need a model assembled or painted but no money to spare? White Metal Games is now offering trade-ins. Send us pictures of your old models, bits, boxes, even new kits. Make us an offer we can't refuse. Don't like negotiating and haggling? White Metal Games also offers consignment services. You can send us your old models, books, games to sell. We sell them through our eBay store, and you pocket 55% of the sales price. You don't have to worry about eBay fees, PayPal fees, shipping fees. There's no crazy percentages, just easy money. Contact us at info at whitemetalgames.com today. Hey guys, welcome back. Um, so today we've got a couple special guests on our podcast. Um, we have Jen and Joe here from The Screaming Heretic. Now, if you're not familiar with The Screaming Heretic, uh, it is a podcast that is well into 50 episodes at this point. And I, I almost would call them a party podcast. When you're listening to them, they're just, they really have a good time. They're really relaxed. And it, it, I'm never quite for sure how many people are in the room. It's sort of like walking into a party where you've just got a bunch of people laughing and joking and occasionally wargaming comes up in the conversation, but a lot of times they're just talking about whatever's on their mind, and, and I think it's fantastic. So, Joe and Jim, we really appreciate you being on the podcast today. Well, thank you very much for having us. Thank and, uh, you. Congratulations on getting your show off the ground. Thank you. Yeah, we're, we're, we're finally off the ground. We're, we're up and running, or up and walking, I guess, at this point. So, <laughs> um, And we definitely appreciate you guys sort of helping us out to sort of get some of our you know, basic stuff, just some of the technical stuff out of the way. I'm, I'm not a very technical person, so definitely appreciate everything you guys have, have done to help us out, sort of giving advice. And it's nice in the community when people do sort of bond together that way. Um, so definitely appreciate it. Um, yeah, I'm so, a big believer that, uh, you know, podcasting is a community, you know, tide raises all the boats and by gosh, if we're not helping each other, we're doing something wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and it's funny because there's there's podcasts that feel like they're they're springing up all over the place, uh, but you guys have a podcast that's just really different. Like a lot of podcasts are kind of uniform; they're all sort of different colors of the same cloth. And um, your guys is just so different. It, it was I was really attracted to it when we were first looking for a format to sort of you know borrow from and kind of get ideas from. Your guys was one of the ones we first learned about. Um, and then inadvertently, like around that same time, I was selling off a, a costume. And that's actually how I first got in contact with Jen was Jen apparently was doing some cosplay uh, on sort of a, a different note other than just Screaming Heretic, but just for cons. Um, and you guys are really close to Adepticon, aren't you? You're pretty near Chicago. We're right in the heart <laughs> <Yeah>. of it. <laughs> 15 minutes from the, the, the uh, hotel. Yeah. So, so when you guys come so out, if you guys want to come out beforehand, we're going to do some partying before and after for the convention. So you guys are more than welcome to come stay with us if you want. So. Oh, fantastic. Awesome. Really appreciate it. We will probably, I will definitely take up your floor. That is, that is great. Yeah. We have <laughs> lots of space. We have lots of space. We've recently moved into this new house and uh, it is gaming Mecca. So it's uh, pretty <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's great. So you guys have like the gaming, not just the gaming room, but the gaming house. Like every room has a little shrine devoted to it. Got a two thousand square foot gaming room. <laughs> nice. My wife would very nice. All that, but I definitely admire that. There's a bar in it too, so don't worry. <laughs> I may not make it to Adepticon. I just get to their house, and that's as far as we go. And my business tanks. <laughs> 
Heretic Con, yeah. We have to do it the week before and the week after. (laughs) Then there's Hangover Con as you try to recover from that. Um, So, Jen, when I first got in touch with you, I was selling off some Space Marine power armor. And unfortunately, I I had someone else who contacted me and I had to choose between you and him. And I ended up going with him. And long have I lamented whether or not that was the right decision or not. Because I, I wanted to sort of touch base with you guys and I felt like it was, a, it was a difficult situation. I didn't realize how, how coveted these suits of armor were at the time. Um, yeah. And apparently everybody and their mom was trying to get one. They're very hard to manufacture. The people who do manufacture mm-hmm. these armor suits really can't legally like set up, I guess, a website where they sell them because of the whole you know, inter- intellectual property thing. Yep. Um, so you- it's, we'll come get them. <laughs> right. So it's a tricky situation. But aside from that, um, you guys do your own cosplay, I think, uh, quite a bit, at least you do, um, with one of the other podcast guys. Maybe not Joe yeah. so much, but Joe does some. He does a fair share amount of it, so he, he's making once a sad a, face. Once in a blue moon. Usually, for like one convention out of the season, I can usually get you doing something. So, but yeah, Erin um, and I, um, who's my she's Wizzy, our co-host, uh, my co-host with Girls of Gaming. She is definitely my partner in crime for that. Um, you know, Chaos Dave and Alyssa both started, we got them into podca- into uh, cosplay recently. They did a scene from Fifth Element with uh, Lilu Dallas and Corbin Dallas, which was epic. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Mighty Tim does a little bit of cosplaying um, with his wife Nancy and actually Lathan, who is one of our frequent guest hosts uh, from uh, Burnin Designs, the Torchmaster, he actually does a lot of cosplay as well. So, it's kind of interesting. Everyone's like, "All right, you know." We're, we were, we try to figure out like Gen Con's our big convention for cosplay, so we all try to figure out, you know, what days we're all going to get dressed up and walk around the convention hall and have fun. So, do you guys always do a theme together, or do you sometimes just kind of do whatever it is and just sort of go together? Well, I think you and you and Aaron tend to theme it. We try, we tend to theme it, but you know what? Like between the two of us, we try to like we did we Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, you guys have at least one matching. Yeah, we have at least one matching over a four day con because, and that's really like one of those things where she and I will have this brilliant idea, and we'll be like, "Oh my god, we should do that right now between the two of us because it'll rock." And cosplaying together is better than cosplaying alone. Um, so, although there are times where I'll just cosplay by myself because. Nobody else wants to do it that day, so. Um, but it's crazy. You see her walking around the house in her cosplay. <laughs> <laughs> not. I guess depending on the cosplay, I, I might not say it's crazy so much as yeah. you know, like a dream you know, come true. Depending on. Uh, that's you know. right. <laughs> <laughs> like if there's a Leia ah. slave gear thing, that's not so bad. I think that would you know, I, I would generally be if my wife did that, I'd be okay with that. All yeah, right. just every day. Um, so when you guys do a theme, can you give me an example of like what was your last themed cosplay where you did it with more than one person or like you and a couple people in your crew? We did um, our Battlestar Galactica. Um, Aaron went as uh, Starbuck and I went as Cat, and we were fighting for, uh, we had the victory mug the whole time. Um, and it's really great because for that particular cosplay, we went in our Viper suits, we created them ourselves. We um, cheaped out and bought the shirts from Think Geek, though, and we ended up with our own blasters. And for this, it was great because there were other people in cosplay for Battlestar Galactica, and then people who were like, wow, your costume is phenomenal. And we'd be walking around the convention floor, and we'd get like 10 of us together. And at one point, we were walking down the hall, and somebody was um, cosplayed as a Dama. And Joe, like, 
He <laughs> smacked us, and he's like, girls, look. And then we were like, so stay we all. And we both snapped it till we're like, yes, sir, lieutenant, snapping at, like, you know, snapping the salute. Yeah. Admiral. Nice. Yeah. With him, it was, there were a bunch of people. We had mm-hmm. some other people who were just running around, and it's always great to see people in, you know, doing the same kind of theme as you. Sure. So, sure. um the other one that I did um, that's always very well received. I cannot believe that I actually just wore it to a Halloween cost, like to a costume party on Friday night. And I've never walked into a costume party where people are like, can I get a picture with you? And I'm like, I'm used to that from conventions, but not at parties. So wow. it was wow. interesting, but um, I've created the steampunk Leia look and I have a lot of hair so I can do the buns and it's my hair. And, um, it's very, it's just a very unique piece that everyone kind of looks at and is like, that is so cool. And do they you immediately know, know what it is you were going for or is it ev- sort of, everybody knows it's princess Leia. And then when they see that leather corset and the gears and the boots I I've got on and the um, we've I've modified we've got this bl- this uh, laser gun that's like a blaster so it's like everyone kind of looks and they're like your princess Leia from and some people will see it immediately and go steampunk Leia and that's actually I was walking around Gen Con and people were like it's steampunk Leia even when I was in a different outfit and they're like when are you going to do Leia again are you going to do it for the costume contest on Saturday and I'm like no I'm just uh, we're going to do our Battlestar Galactic on Saturday and then on Sunday I'll do Leia again so but it's funny because you get those like once you have that really good cosplay people are like you know can I take your picture that's really cool and for me I definitely um, I give mad props to anybody who cosplays it doesn't I'm a big believer and you don't have to cosplay your body type but for me I am more comfortable cosplaying my body type so I always try to tend people I try to cosplay people who have dark hair um you know similar body shapes like I'll do the Baroness from G.I. Joe because I've got the dark hair I've got glasses I can pull that off fairly well I've got I actually um for that one worked with some with a designer to get a custom um Baroness suit so and it's completely (laughs) custom designed for me my size and everything so and I've got these boots that are like six-inch heels that I wear when we do that, and it's kind of fun. It's a lot of fun. I like playing dress-up. <laughs> now, when you say you work with a designer, um, that shows, I think, a level of commitment that I don't think a lot of people are aware of. Like, when you're when you're doing this sort of things, can you give an, a, a, a sort of an idea of what maybe a typical costume might cost you in terms of, like, materials and time? And, I Same mean, there's, there's a real commitment in place there. Oh, yeah. Well, most cosplayers... Uh, fabricate their own costumes. Yeah, which is making it themselves, sewing it, stitching it. And I wouldn't even say most, but there's there's definitely a group that is completely dedicated to fabrication of their own costumes. And then there's the group of people like me where I get the idea in my head and I know if I can do it myself and piecemeal it together myself, I will. But then there are just certain costumes that you have to engage somebody professionally and those can range anywhere in price from, you know, 150 bucks to thousands, you know. When you're looking at, um, Aaron and I, obviously, we just did our, um, our Battlestar Galactica. We made our own Viper suits. Yeah. And we enjoyed that so much and got such a positive re- reaction that Aaron and I are actually looking about, we're thinking about going to one of the costume fabricators and having them create professional grade, you know, TV grade um, suits for us to wear, which would be awesome. So, and that's, that's what I did with my Baroness. Once I got that idea in my head, I knew I wanted it to be something that was spectacular. You can't do something like, you can't do a costume 
of that caliber off the shelf. So at that point, you have to commit to working on that with somebody. And there's a lot of great professionals out there. Um, I knew what type of material I wanted and being able to engage people. Um, there's a lot of cosplay costume sites where you just submit your, um, you know, you pick the costume idea and you submit your measurements and you know between six to ten weeks later you get your costume back so it's uh definitely more mainstream now so and it's funny because when you go to these costume sites a lot of them are anime and it's so funny because we've gone to a few anime conventions but it's not something that we're heavily traveled in so it's always interesting to go see those and you know we always get the lollipop we've got lollipop wigs and stuff like that so it's always fun Lollipop wigs like the what was that Wizard of Oz? Oh no, the lollipop wigs, uh, lollipop girl wigs. They're like the big pink hair and oh, like spunk. Okay. It's like a base wig, and then the two uh, ponytails coming off the side. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun. So that one's for Joe, right? Joe, Joe wears uh, actually, that one. Actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Joe's had some interesting cosplay with his hair before, so we uh, he went to make it dark, and it came out looking more red, and he was. Uh, you were term- You did the Terminator, right? Mm-hmm. He's done the Terminator. He's done uh, um, a lot of. Joe's very tall, so it's kind of fun to watch him do cosplay, and yeah. So, but Joe's actually working on a steampunk Jedi outfit, so that he did a test run at Halloween. Oh, and- nice! So this will be a theme. You guys will be. You'll have a group doing it. Exactly. So, and it's always fun to take a twist on something, you know, we, I love steampunk. I think it's fantastic. And, you know, that whole space cowboy is just, I love it. And it's so funny trying to explain to people, like if you go into a Halloween store and go, I'm looking for something steampunk, they're like, what is that? And I'm like, wait three years and then you'll know what it is. That's what I was saying. By now it would be, because I see sites with steampunk stuff all the time. Um, But maybe it's because I was looking. Uh, uh, Maybe it's not as mainstream as I thought it was. There's a lot online available for it, and I mean, it's just, I love the fact that steampunk is an element that you can add to any existing costume piece. So, like, I could try steampunk Baroness if I wanted to. I could do, you know, um, steampunk Battlestar, and it's so funny, because when you see somebody, there was a steampunk Boba Fett that was phenomenal, and all he does is he travels convention to convention, and it was so funny, because I was, when I did my steampunk Leia at Gen Con, people were like, have you seen Boba Fett? And I'm like, what? And they're like the steampunk Boba Fett. And he and I were just off on costume days. And it was so funny because he found me on, um, what, let's see. I, he found me on Sunday and was like, okay, I'm not in my costume. I'm going to go back to my room, get in my costume. And then we got to get a picture. And I'm like, okay. And, and it's fun once you have, um, you know, I mean, it's interacting with everybody else. I can't tell you how many, I mean, I stopped and posed for so many pictures in the layout outfit and, I actually, um, I, I photobombed a bunch of pictures. There was a picture with, like, you know, they had, like, all the stormtroopers, and I jumped in it, and everybody was like, that's so cool. And, you know, like, yeah, you know, it's a lot of fun. I fought, uh, you know, I was fighting with a the stormtrooper. There was Darth Vader who was chasing me at one point, and, you know, it was just a lot of fun. He was telling me I was grounded to get <laughs> here. So, you know, it's always fun. So I, I imagine all this sort of stuff, now we've talked about a little bit about designers, and clearly there's a lot of professional people out there. This is quite a bit of commitment and resources and time devoted to this sort of thing. Yeah. And Jen, you mentioned the word earlier that you felt like it was a really rewarding experience. Can you, I guess, sort of put it in context for me, um, what, is, what is the reward here? Like, do you feel like it, it's sort of like 
I don't know, a community thing, or do you feel like it's more like you like performing, you were, you were a theater major or something, and, and you just like being on stage, or is it more like you like looking on, the look on people's faces when they sort of light up and you sort of share that? Like, what is it about this? You know, what got you into it? What made you want to do it? And, and I guess specifically, what keeps you doing it, I mean, year after year? Everything that you just said, every single thing. I can't tell you. Um, I unveiled Steampunk Leia at Gen Con and was so nervous. And it was on a day that Aaron wasn't, Aaron wasn't, um, you know, know, dressing up. So I'm sitting there and it was me and her and we're walking into the convention center. And as you know, it's like a performance because I don't compete in the costume contests or anything like that. Although I was invited a couple of times to different ones. And, um, and you did go to school for theater. I did. Yeah. But it's, like you put on your costume and it's it starts with the idea of I've got this really cool idea let's let, I, it would be great to do this in a big setting and for me like my validation is like when somebody's like that's a great costume can I take your picture and I'm like okay yeah and then and then like I'm like okay good somebody likes it <laughs> and then all of a sudden it like snowballs from there where everybody's like you know I think it's it's so funny cuz the day always starts off where you can't, you know, Dave and Alyssa, this was their first time cosplaying, and they were like, it was so great, it was so much fun, they are like, but seriously, at one point, when you can't walk five feet without somebody asking you for your picture, he goes, it gets a little, and I'm like, well, that's why you have to, like, you know, do it in waves, and you've got to have it, you know, you've got to, this is when you stop, this is when you don't, when you're in the hall, and you're kind of doing your own thing, you know, it's it's a way to engage with other fans, Um Obviously, it's sort of kind like of breaking like, the breaking the tension, or, or not breaking the tension, but sort of like you know buying someone a drink. It's kind of that opening, sort of like, exactly. "Hey, how are you doing?" kind of thing. Yeah, it, it, it's the equivalent of um, bringing your army to paint on at the bunker. You can paint at your house, but when you paint it at the bunker or in a public space, then guess what? Other people see your army. They're like, hey, that paint theme's really cool. You kind of talk to them a little bit. And it, it's a way to engage with people because it's not just about, you know, gaming. Everybody thinks the people live in their parents' basements and whatnot. And, you know, there's such a negative light cast on it. Like, all of a sudden, it allows for us to all connect with each other. And be passionate about the same things, you know, and being able to dress up and say, hey, I'm going to do this. And, you know, every time I see a cosplayer, whether they're a good one, a bad one, a great one, I'm always like, rock on, keep going, you know. And I try to make it, you know, I actually do like one or two days where like I'll, if I'm not in gear, I'll try to seek out people who I think have, they're, they're trying to do cosplay. They may not be getting the attention, you know, and I'll be like, hey, that's so great. Can we take a picture of you? And, you know, Joe and I, we, we really try to make people feel good about their efforts because it's, it's hard to do this and it takes guts to get out there. And, you know, everyone should be, you know, encouraged to keep going. It's, it's a fun habit. It's a fun hobby. And, um, it's always, it's always worth it. It's very rewarding for me when people think that, hey, that was a really good idea. I love the costume. You're pulling it off really well. And then, you know, you walk away feeling great because it's like this was something that I had conceived and it worked out well. So so it's definitely kind of a creative outlet for you as well as a social outlet and kind of just a, a means to sort of get to know other people that have a similar, I guess, just a passion for both performing and, and all, all of this sort of lumped together. Absolutely. And you know what? It's so funny because I've had, you know, cosplay fails before where I go in and I'm like, wow, I wore this and this does not fit at all. I need to like go fix this. (laughs) Or, you know, you put on that pair of heels that is just too high that you 
can't even get to the convention floor and you have to hobble back to your room and change. And yeah, I hate it when that happens. I know, you do. <laughs> so, Joe, Joe, when she first started doing cosplay, would, would I be right in guessing that she sort of came to you with the idea? Or was it kind of like, uh, I, like how, how do I put this? Like, um, did this bring you guys closer together? Or did she sort of start doing this and you were like, I'll do anything for my wife? Or is this more one of those things you're like, this is an opportunity for us as a couple to bond. Like, how, how did you first react when, when your wife came to you with this sort of idea? I will do anything for my wife. There you go. And that's why you're a good husband. So funny, but Joe and I used to, you know, we met through mutual friends and we were both part of the same LARP group, which if you're not familiar with LARP, it's live action role playing and you know obviously there's so many different genres of LARP um, for us we were really into uh, Vampire the Masquerade uh, Sabat, Camarilla um, you know Werewolf and that aspect of it that live action role playing um, kind of brings you together and at that point you're dressing up with a million other people who are all dressing up as their characters I mean, so it kind of is a cosplay experience so I mean really what you're doing at a con is, is really no different other than location Exactly. And I mean, with LARP, I mean, you've got SCA, you know, I've got friends who, who do all kinds of, I mean, even going to run fair is the equivalent of cosplay because it's just fun to get dressed up. And I mean, everybody who goes to these things, I can't tell you how many people, um, you know, end up picking up corsets at these events and, and costumes and steampunk gear and hats and wigs and that by the end of the con, everybody's wearing some sort of piece, you know, they're wearing their Bazinga t-shirt they're wearing, you know, something that they had purchased at the con because it's kind of like that badge of honor, that like geek cred, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun, you know, I can't tell you, like when I go to conventions, we plan our, Aaron and I try to plan out our, um, our shirts, you know, based off of days, like we'll both wear the nerd shirts, we'll both wear the girls of gaming and screaming heretic t-shirts for certain events. And, you know, when we walk around and people are like, hey, I love that Bazinga t-shirt, which I'm wearing a Bazinga t-shirt today. That's why I'm saying Bazinga so much. Nice. Uh, people stop you. I mean, even last night, last night we had our friend's 40th birthday party here at the house and I was wearing an R2-D2 tank shirt and everyone was like, that's awesome. And I'm like, woo. So it's a lot of fun to, uh, you know, I mean, to, to show your love of something and be confident enough to, to put it out there for the whole world to see. I can definitely understand how if you started in LARPing, how cosplay, was, or, you know, that is cosplay, but how doing it at a convention or, or a gaming place was kind of like a natural extension of that. Uh, I can see how you easily bridge that gap. Have you ever had any, I guess, bad experiences with this where someone <laughs> is just bugging you in a way that you're, you find threatening or menacing or maybe just annoying? Um, or, you know, you tell someone politely, just get lost many, many times and they won't. You know. Oh, yeah. Um, and what do you do I've, in those circumstances? Like, how do you react? And I guess Joe, you know, if she's wearing, let's, you know, you know, let's be honest. A lot of the cosplay of these conventions is fairly provocative. Like a lot of the Leia slave girls. I'll use that as an example. It's girls walking around in bikinis. So they're probably going to get unwanted advances. How do you, as her husband, handle that when a guy comes up to her and, you know, makes rude suggestions or lewd suggestions? Well, see. The one thing about Jen is she's a uh, a New Yorker from the Bronx. So she handles herself <laughs> pretty well. <laughs> uh, Port, yeah. Puerto Rican New Yorker from the Bronx, uh, you know, okay. I, I generally have to protect the, the people that are, are harassing her <laughs> from her. I see. Like, so, buddy, I'm doing this for your own good. <laughs> yeah. Um, We've, you know what, it's so funny. We've had, I've had people who have been like, oh my God, your costume's great. And then they find 
follow you for an aisle or two. And then for me, it's I've been doing it long enough that I can literally turn around and be like, you know what? I really appreciate your enthusiasm. Your costume looks phenomenal. I'm going to keep going. I've got to go over here, you know, but it was so nice meeting you. And you shake their hand, you look them in the eye and you say, it was really nice meeting you. I hope to see you later on. And that's, that's where you leave it. Like you make it very definite that this conversation is over. Then you, then you move on. So, um, that's that's been my tip. How does that work? Does that work well? It does. It usually does. As especially since you, usually when that happens, Aaron is with me and, and we both give each other that look of, oh God, it's a stalker. And we're like, all right, thanks. And when you start moving, they, you know, if you completely disengage from them, then you just keep walking and keep moving. Um, we had a guy who was dressed up as Thor that was like chasing us and we're like, you just need to leave us alone kind of thing. That was the day that we were both wearing um, some corsets and we did kind of like a steampunky corset thing. So, um Malifaux, we were actually dressed up as some Malifaux figures. So, um, and it's fun because, you know, you've got somebody who's just really enthusiastic and, oh my God, I'm talking to this girls and they're in costume. And, you know, both Aaron and I are happily married. And, you know. Well, I guess they can finally find someone that they can sort of relate to. I mean, yeah, I feel like when you, I was, you know, when I was younger, I, I, I got into, uh, I don't know, not, not everyone has the same social graces. A lot of gamers sort of struggle with social vices. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why we try to be really positive and let them know, like, this is the appropriate social cue. I'm shaking your hand and saying goodbye. No, I think Don't that's great. That's a, that's a wonderful you know? reaction. That's, that's far more. I would have never thought of that. Um, yeah. It's, it's very uh, – because you don't want to discourage them and you don't want them to be shot down. But at the same time, everyone, I think, in the community knows that I am one of those fierce cosplayers that, like, the second you think about doing something inappropriate, I will jump on you. Like, and just give you the smackdown, you know, um, we, Aaron and I, um, obviously we're, you know, we're very self-confident. You, usually we travel in a pack. So, um, safety, you safety have, numbers. Yeah, safety sometimes. so, um, usually what'll happen is, is that if somebody, you know, thinks about getting inappropriate, Aaron and I very much, we plan out our costumes because we don't want to, we know you, you don't want to encourage some people to come out, you know. I think the sexiest we've ever gotten with our cosplay is those Malifaux figures, which were fairly short skirts and bustiers and little hats and stuff. But it's, I mean, we've had some people who have just, I mean, it's been great engaging with them. We had one guy who was like, hey, can I take your pictures? And we were like, sure, because always ask. It's good etiquette if you want a picture, ask. Because we'll turn and we'll smile and we'll look at the camera. But this one guy had... Did he photo you? Oh, well, you know what? It was funny because he asked if he could take our picture. So we, we posed and we said, okay. And he took our picture. But then he did a close-up. Like literally got like two inches from Erin's face and snapped a picture of her. And then turned to me and snapped a picture of me. And I looked at her and I'm like, we're on like somebody's wall in their basement. This is horrible. <laughs> that's, 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 that's creepy. That. Yeah, that it, sounds creepy. You're on a Japanese love pillow. Somewhere. I know, right? Like, <laughs> you know, but I mean, obviously, he wasn't like you know threatening. It was just like he did that, and we just looked at each other. We're like, that was the most uncomfortable. I think either of us had been, and it happened so quickly that we were like, what the hell? Um, so, always ask if you're. I always, if people say, "Hey, can I get a picture with you?" I'll say, "Well, sure. Would you like to be in the picture?" Because then they're like, oh, cool. And it's so funny because people never know where to put their hands. So I always tell them, I'm going to put my hand here and you can put your hand on my hip if you want. And they're like, okay. And then I'll pose 
And then that'll be it. And then I shake their hand and I tell them, thanks so much, you know. And that's, you know, where you move on from there. And then but- you always have the inappropriate uh, hand placement guys. The guy who tries to put his hand on my back, I lean in and I'm like, if you want to keep that hand, you might want to move it. And then oh. they're like, oh. And I'm like, <laughs> How often does that happen? Um, not, not often these, enough. Are these geeky no? guys or are these more like frat guys who have gone to these conventions to sort of check out the chicks? Um, I, I think it's more geeky guys. That geeky guys and they just don't know where to put their hand. About- Oh, I think they knew where to put yeah. his hand. I don't think there was any doubt yeah. where he was putting his hand. Exactly. And it's so funny because, like I said, it's like, you know, I mean, and like I said, I always, my, Aaron and I always have our rings on, you know, when our wedding rings on when we cosplay. And like I said, you know, it's it's nice to just lay out the expectation first is what we found now. Now that we're doing a lot more mainstream and the costumes that we're playing are not so much that niche, it's hey this is what i'm gonna do so and i mean joe and i you know we've we've been there where we've been like oh my gosh can we cosplay with you you know i've got um one of my girlfriends heidi who um is actually one of the models for some of the vampire uh pieces and she is just smoking i mean she is just gorgeous 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 like supermodel gorgeous and she puts on these great silk dresses she's a toreador model and she you know, we always, I'm always like, how do you deal with it? And she's like, oh, she's like, I've got things in number one. She's like, number two, I tell them exactly what they can do. She's like, they can sit, they can, you know, that there has to be space and stuff. And I always joke with her. I'm like, oh yeah, make room for the Holy Ghost. So she's like, yeah. she's like they need to have the space, you know? And I told her, I'm like, well, and she's actually who I asked about. And she's the one who's like, just turn to them and tell them that you're done with the conversation in a polite way. Tell them it was nice meeting them and move on. So... So that's always interesting. But she, of course, gets to charge for her photos and autographs and stuff now. So, Do you guys ever consider doing that? Like charging no. a buck or something like that? Oh, no, no. This is, this is it's way too much fun for us to do that, you know? I mean, sure. and she's, you know, sure. widely recognized. She's, a, you know, she's in print and online and her face is plastered everywhere. So, she, you know, and I think that that's something that they bring her in to do those, um, you know, um, they, they bring her in for these photo opportunities and things like that. So, but we've never, I mean, we're never going to be that real or fancy or anything. So well, I imagine <laughs> so- a lot of like, a lot of times at these sort of cons where they're trying to like, I don't know, demo a video game or demo a new game with new characters. They, they probably hire people just specifically to do that and kind of a pay per yep. cosplay kind of thing. Yeah. We call them booth babes or booth bait. You know, depending on, you know, and they usually, they'll bring in, you know, models and people who don't actually, you know, utilize the game. We actually, uh, what game was it at Gen Con that that one young lady that Roy was like, I want to take her home. She's lost. She needs help. Yeah, no, I don't don't recall the game. She was, there was a, there was a World War II game and this young woman was like, hey, would you like to demo this game? And she was dressed up to the nines in, um in uh like a nazi outfit, nazi yeah. outfit kind of thing because she was and and then it was so funny because our friend royce was like yeah tell me about this game and she was like oh i i don't know i hold on a second here i'll get you somebody who can tell you and she brings over one of the guys and he's like but i wanted to talk to her and uh <laughs> and after he demos the game he went back and talked to her and she was like yeah you know she's an actress and there's a lot of um it's funny because in um in gaming in particular, because this is true across all trade shows. It doesn't matter if it's, I mean, if you've never been to E3 or any kind of convention, uh, you want, there are so many girls hanging around the booth. I mean, 
even if you go to car shows, obviously, you know, you're familiar with the girls lounging on the cars the and stuff like that. Girls, that sort of thing. Exactly. So those are all booth babes, and sometimes they're part of, you know, the culture. Sometimes they're just, you know, pretty girls for hire. So um, it kind of, you know, it varies. But I think that you're, it's become more acceptable in... Um, in gaming to have these girls who are actually in it, you know, um, soda pop miniatures does a great job of that. And they have a lot of their fans go as soda pop mini girls. And Aaron and I were invited to do soda pop mini girls. And we keep going back and forth with John and, um, the whole team there. And we just, I mean, because we, we, we are dedicated. We're like, you know what? I wouldn't want to fly across the, you know, the country to go to a convention and then have to be working the booth or have to be making these appearances. So we have a lot more fun just doing our own cosplay, although we will do some work with them, um, usually for like parties at Adepticon or something like that. So, but it's a lot of fun and I think it's more acceptable, especially when I think nothing is sexier than if you go to like talk to somebody and they actually know what they're cosplaying and they're like, you know, hey, you know, good steampunk Leia. And you're like, yeah, you know, good, whatever. You know, being able to talk about it and then be, then be like, you know, passionate about it. You know, I can't tell you how many people this past weekend when we were doing our steampunk Jedi and Leia, um, people were like, it starts a conversation. Are you guys excited about the new movies? And we're like, oh, my God, of course we are. But, you know, and these are people that we really hadn't met before. So it, it breaks the Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, um, well, just like- I guess, I guess what I'd like to know, since you know, I'm since we have you guys on here, uh, you know, talking about costumes, and this is a little off off the subject, but uh, and this shouldn't surprise anyone here, but you know, I'm fascinated by how these guys build Space Marine costumes, you know, because oh, um, yeah. I don't, um, you know, and and how how one goes about doing that. I mean, I realize is this. Isn't the proper venue for a, you know, a, a nuts and bolts, you know, d- description on how to build well, a space marine Jen costume? And Joe I, might I have seen, seen more of them than I, I imagine we have. They've probably seen quite a few up close. Uh, well, right, but there's varying degrees of you know how intricate they get. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen uh, you know ones online where guys have actually put in hydraulics and actuated uh, articulating fingers, and, fingers articulated and, oh, and everything. Oh my god! Oh my god! Uh, Oh yeah, this one yeah. guy had this Terminator outfit that was just off the hook. The pile roots, yeah, yeah, cosplay. Yeah. If you if you Google, um, it's P I L E R U D S cosplay, C O S P L A Y. This guy is just, I mean, and he's kind of become the unofficial GW Terminator. I mean, oh my god, his yeah, costume's his amazing. Was, yeah, it was, uh, uh, Imperial fist, and it was just beautifully done. Mm-hmm. But you know. For what a lot of the stuff I've seen, typically it's the stuff's made out of foam, mm-hmm. so you're getting a, a ton of foam and you're using foam cutters, uh, and then they're uh, doing vacuum form plastic uh, over the foam to to give it a hard shell, uh, and then from there it's just you know uh, you know doing some uh, cutting in, into it to make the the right indentations. And uh, then just painting and, and uh, well, priming and painting it. Yeah. Um, but you, okay. know, you find stuff like you know okay. poses to put in for different spots, or you know you, you you'll go to like Home Depot and and get uh, you know plastic pieces that'll that'll look like uh, you know the the connector for the neck or, or pieces like that. Mm-hmm. Well, um, but, you know, and our, 
in fact, our friend Erin uh, uh, Hanna, uh, she does, uh, they do this professionally yeah. uh, up in Madison, Wisconsin. They've got a, a group uh, called the Foam, uh, Foam Corpse, where uh-huh. they're, that's what they do is they build cosplay costumes out of foam. And it's so cool. I mean, and a lot of, um, a lot of people, you can actually find um, blueprints, if you will, for these types of costumes. Mm-hmm. Um, Mighty Tim and I are actually engaging. We're, we're, we're flirting with uh, the idea of making some of these ourselves for the whole outfit. The whole podcast would be really cool. So um, we kind of were talking about being able to do this. And we use uh, Peptura, and that's like... It's some crazy software where we actually got some of the blueprints from these guys because they put it out on the internet and say, hey, this is how you make it. Um, I think that there would be a fabulous, you know, if you could get the right um, fabricator to just churn and burn these, I think you'd have a lot of people who'd want them. So, yeah, but yeah, there's, uh, and there's some uh, YouTube sites uh, that, that have instructions for how to, how to make uh, full-scale space marine outfits as yeah. well. It's a lot of work, though. It is. It's a lot of time. A lot of big, It's a big commitment for money because you've got to get all of these tools together. And, I mean, seeing some of these guys, and the way they do it so well is amazing. So um, we've been seeing so a lot more. months on their outfits. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. And that's assuming You're, they actually, a lot of these, there's this one great website out there called Building Space Marine Armor in, like, 237 Steps. And he literally, and that's, it was kind of a joke, but it's, it's pretty much true. And, you know, he shows you how he built his vacuum form machine. He shows you every part of it. And he shows you how they build this entire squad full of armor. But what people forget is that, yeah, he put instructions out there, but I can follow instructions for, you know, installing Ikea furniture. It doesn't mean the, the instructions are easy. You know, like, oh, yeah. this is assuming this person is fairly technically inept or adept. And they can actually, you know, when he's like, here's how you build a vacuum mach- form machine they can take those instructions and follow them. Like, I, I like to yeah. think of myself as a fairly mechanical person, but I looked at those and I was baffled by them. You know, and, and then you have to have the space, and then there's there's trial and error. God forbid someone get hurt. And so it's, you know, not for the but on the other hand, On the other hand, though, uh, if you can get it to work, it'd be just completely awesome to see a, a squad, a, a full squad of, of, of Adeptus Astartes you know, walking, you know, at, around at a convention. I think it'd be you cool, know. but I guess the question is, is it $5,000 worth of cool? That, that, that would be Whatever the, they commit to it. Right, yeah. that would be the, that's, that's the key factor, is just how prohibitively expensive. I mean, I realize, you know, it, you can make it as a, you know, it can get ridiculous, but on the other hand, I'm wondering if there's a, a minimum, you know, financial investment here, you know, as far as if you want to do this. Um, oh, yeah, there definitely is. Um, actually, have you guys seen um, the sci-fi series Heroes of Cosplay? No, I have not. No, no okay. I have not. Okay, interesting. You should definitely check it out. Um, it really focuses on Yaya Han and seven other nationally known cosplayers. Um, and it actually focuses on them kind of putting together their costume and then going and competing. And it's so funny because they obviously it's sci-fi, it's reality TV. They bring out the drama and everything like that. And they put a really bad light on it. But for me, I love like the last 10 minutes of it when you get to see all of the other costumes. And I've seen so many space marine armor and halo, you know, that like, it's just, it, that are so cool during these contests. And you're like, that is awesome. And then when they win, it's just phenomenal. So, um, but we were talking about on our podcast how we 
the show that's missing is that link of I would do a YouTube channel. I would I would subscribe to like a geek and sundry channel that was about nothing more than fabricating cosplay costumes and focusing on different ideas and things like that because it's the fabrication part that is kind of that mysterious black hole and either you can do it or you can't. You know, between Erin and I, when we come up with a costume, she's like, we, we conceptualize it together, and then she sends me to scurry out and find all of the pieces that we need for it, and then when we bring them, you know, when she comes over, I have all the pieces laid out, and I tell her, this is how we're putting it together, and then she sees it, and she's like, that's really cool, so, and there's a lot of financial... There's a lot of financial, you know, investment that goes into any costume. I mean, even well, yeah, thinking but about... I think it's, it's, it's one, if you're buying the pieces, mm-hmm. you know, if you're, if you're doing, you know, building your own... It's not not quite as much. I mean, Space Marine armor is one thing, but you know, if you look at what a lot of the cosplayers do, you know, if they're you know putting together a, an outfit, it, it's not thousands of dollars. I mean, you know, it's hundreds at times. It depends. Yeah, I mean, it kind of depends because it depends on the complexity of the outfit and if you can use you know pieces from every day, you know. So, mm-hmm. and we try to we try to with ours, I mean, we've got this big house and we've got, you know, the guest bedroom closets are filled with nothing but cosplay, but, you know, it's so funny because we can at any point in time go, oh, let's just do something for, you know, there's a small little convention up in Wisconsin we're going to go to, let's pull an outfit and we'll pick from something that we've got or we can mix and match and create something that's fun, so. I'm kind of surprised that they don't have a YouTube channel devoted to cosplay or costuming of some sort. Like, I'm sure there's got to be at least one out there, but... Um, I've never actively kind of looked for them. Yeah, they have them. And for me, it's that. And I mean, that's why we've been so, you know, we've watched the Heroes of Cosplays because I'm really interested in that fabrication part. And it's so funny because nine times out of ten, the people who are wearing the suits, it's their husbands, their boyfriends, their brothers, their, you know, their sisters who are actually doing the fabrication part of it. Where there was one instance where they were doing, was it a steampunk stormtrooper? Mm Mm-hmm. Where he, you know, he's showing his vacuum fold machine and we're watching it and the power goes out. And I'm like, oh, you know, that part gets us more excited than the actual, you know. The power I, went out I of really the house or the power went out at his house? At his house. Oh, okay. At the guy. And he's got the, the vacuum for him and the mold ended up being completely ruined and oh, he had to redo no. it. It's just those things where, I know, right? And it was like a fuse blew in his garage, and it was right when they set down the mold, and he's like, okay, we've got like five seconds to get this off, and it went, shh, and then like he went to pull it up, and it went, boom, <laughs> and I was like, oh, he's like holding it, and he's like, somebody get the, th- somebody get the fuse, oh god, it's going to be ruined, and, and he pulled it up, and it was ruined, and you know, it's really kind of cool, because they had one where this woman was going to do um, like a Cthulhu mask on her face, and they needed to do a mold of her, um, so they put the plaster of Paris all over her skull and head, and then they're like, uh, we can't get this off, and the girl's like, I'm in here, somebody help me, you know, so <laughs> those pieces are like what we enjoy to watch on that show, and sure. of course, you know, sure. I, I take personal glee when the professional cosplayers don't win any awards, and it's all the other people who win the awards, so... It's kind of interesting. So, the but closest definitely- I've ever come, the closest I've ever come to doing anything like that is I tried one year to fabricate a chainmail shirt, a real chainmail shirt, and Ooh, that, uh, that it, it wasn't so expensive as just monotonous and tedious because I had to fashion each link out of uh, fourteen gauge wire and mm-hmm. connect them. Yeah, and, See, and that's. The time part of it. I think your time right. is worth money. 
you know, that's where you're like, crap, I could have just bought this on eBay. <laughs> exactly. And and I've literally destroyed I've literally destroyed the the, the thumb and index fingerprints on my left hand from doing oh. that. You know. So that means I can run out and go commit a crime somewhere, right? You know, if, yeah. well, if you only use your thumbs, uh, and in yeah, the, right, if only I use my thumbs, yeah. <laughs> if, if it's you know they'll call you the pincher man or something like that, <laughs> uh, which is a good idea for a costume. There you go. I, I like go. that. Um, well, Jen and Joe, we, we definitely appreciate your wealth of information today. I mean, clearly you guys have a ton of experience about this, and, and just you know, I, I really appreciate you sharing your stories with the community today, and just sort of talking about it and. Um, and so what, so what I get out of this really is just that if you do cosplay, mostly it's because you love it. It's just because you like doing it. You enjoy seeing the look on people's faces. It's sort of a way to connect with fans. And, you know, it, it's just an enjoyable experience. And, and I, really, I, I really like hearing about it from someone who, who just has a real passion for it. So thank you very much for sharing that with us today. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having us. It's been great. And we can't wait to see you guys at Adepticon this year. Yeah, I, I can't yeah. wait to go there. I'm, I'm super yeah, excited about it. I'm not actually that far away from from Chicago. I, I live in Fort Wayne, Indiana. It's about three hours. Uh, oh, we know. Uh, Joe, yeah, we've got family who live out there, so that's awesome. Okay. Yeah, I'm, so I'm really close to you guys. You yeah. should come up for just a weekend when we do game or something, or next time we podcast, you can come and see what Joe refers to lovingly as the studio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the I'm table where we that. podcast. Which is, just, which is just one suite in the 2,000-square-foot podcasting right. dome or whatever it's it is. just a basement that's open. It's awesome. Yeah, I'll into that. All right, guys. Well, we look forward to talking with you again uh, in future podcasts about, I don't know, one of the many wonderful topics that's out there. And uh, for anyone who's listening to this, you know, be, be sure to check them out at ScreamingHeretic.com uh, for all of their fun antics. Um, you guys podcast, was it bi-weekly? Yeah, roughly we every, every <laughs> two weeks or so. Okay. We try. <laughs> well, um, we definitely would recommend anyone checking you guys out. I love your guys' podcast. I'm certainly an avid listener. Um, and check out their new Just the Tip segment uh, for anyone <laughs> interested out there. Lots of good hobby tips. <laughs> yes. All right, guys. We'll really appreciate it, and we will definitely talk to you next time. All Sounds right, great. Thanks. Thank you. If you're interested in advertising on War Council, let us know. We can be reached at warcouncil at whitemetalgames.com. Rates are extremely competitive, but there are limited slots available, so please contact us soon. Alright guys, welcome back. Uh, We appreciate Jen and Joe speaking with us, and we certainly think that they have plenty of great information, and you can find out more about uh, all of their happenings over at Screaming Heretic, and we'll put a link in the show notes. And uh, So thank you, Jen and Joe, and all of the people from Screaming Heretic. Um, so we're going to skip over rules of engagement this week because we had uh, a sorely, sorely longer show last week and we thought we'd give people a break this week. Um, so let's do a, a little bit of precise shot. And this is a segment of the show where we like to talk about a new product or something we've discovered, something new to us, or at least I do normally. Um, so I figured with football season um, around, are you, are you a football fan? I've never even asked you that before. Actually, no, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not really one either. Um, I, I worked at a sports bar for seven years, and I really never even got into it. I just kind of, I kind of cheered whenever my customers' teams were winning, and that was about it. 
Um, so I played the home field, I guess you might say. Um, but that being said, um, Blood Bowl is probably more popular than ever. Uh, my brother is a big Blood Bowl player. We were talking this weekend about it. And it's one of those funny things that now with Battlefleet Gothic being out of production and GW officially not supporting it, it surprises me that certain games have stayed so relevant. And Blood Bowl is arguably more popular than ever before. Um, and without getting into great details, Blood Bowl is sort of the 40K of fantasy. So it allows you to play uh, kind of on a pitch and sort of have your teams maneuver against each other. And the way my brother explained it, which I really liked, was that in in 40K you're playing against your opponent and in Blood Bowl you're playing with your opponent because there are certain things just beyond your control and so you just have to sort of laugh at it. Um, so I came across this site called neomics.net and they do... Blood Bowl miniatures, and lots of sites out there do them. There's some really good ones out there. But these guys kind of caught my eye. They just had some amazing miniatures, and uh, whenever I, I find a new maker of miniatures that just does some good stuff, I always like to give them a shout-out. So the guys over at Neomics are doing a really good job. Their website's a little hard to navigate. Uh, they don't have a, a great gallery, but if you're willing to leaf through it a little bit, you'll find some really cool stuff. And I'm going to put a link to their un, Undead Egyptian Dwarfs, which I thought were fantastic. If I was going to play, I'd, I'd probably play them they're uh, they're awesome looking so check them out um and that's about it because i don't know it, anything else about football <laughs> it, it's funny you mentioned blood bowl because our our, our malaysian recruit to our death watch group uh he plays blood bowl nice should yeah. we mention how you met him or should we sort of leave that in mystery for now and just like bring that up when it's relevant because I, I think for some people it must be kind of weird that you're playing with a guy from malaysia I could cover that very briefly, but we will, you know, we can talk about it in another episode. But essentially, I am a member of a private uh, Warhammer 40k community on the internet, mm-hmm. and we have all sorts of people from all over the world. You know, from of course here in the U.S., Canada, England, of course, uh, North I- Northern Ireland. Uh, we've even got a guy from uh, Finland. Uh, and then, of course, we have the the Malaysian fellow, and sure. uh, I had mentioned, you know, the that we were doing a podcast, mm-hmm. and he said, you know, I'd love to get on and talk about, you know, my interest in the hobby because mostly he's into the Black Library stuff. Uh, he actually does own a couple of the actual miniatures, some of the old second edition stuff. Nice. Um, so, anyway, I said, you know, let you know, I'll, I'll talk to you on Skype one day. So. Uh, talked to him on Skype and I said, oh yeah, by the way, we're, you know, I'm a part of a Death Watch group. And I said, you know, we could always use another member if you can work it, work it into the schedule considering the time difference. The time difference is insane. Yeah, you said when you're playing at like 6 o'clock at night, it's 6 or it's 8 a.m. over there or something like that? Yeah, it's about like 12 a, hours. Yeah, that's crazy. It's, yeah, it's it's crazy, but, you know, we're, we're willing to, to work with each other, you know, if, and, and he, fits, he fits in real well with the group. You can just tell just by the, you know, uh, the you know he's a little quiet, but you know I can just we can just tell he'll fit in with us. But yeah, he plays Blood Bowl. Oh, really? Cool. So yeah, I, I think it's amazing. Uh, you know that these days, and I was telling talking to my wife about this the other day that like I, I worked out that deal with that guy in Australia where we have been literally he shipped me stuff, I'm shipping him stuff. Uh, Sam and Travis, if you're out there, it's getting painted. Uh, but we're I'm literally <laughs> dealing with these these people all over the world, and it, it's just it it just amazes me. The planet is so much smaller than it used to be, and people are so much more approachable. 
And, right. and I feel so much more involved in the community as a, as a whole right. um, these days than ever before. It, it's just, I, I think it's fantastic. I, I'm really excited about this phase of our community building and, and to see where it will go and what else it will do. And, and it won't be long before people are playing, you know, live 40K games across the world. Like, I'll set up my army, we'll set up a similar, it'll, you know, it's going to yeah, happen at some point. Yeah, you might set your army up and then all of a sudden the guy you're playing with might be in, you know, Chennai, you know, nice. South India, yeah, you very know. Cool. Very cool stuff. So, um, and, 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 you know, sort of on that note, you proposed a segment to us a little while ago that we're going to embrace and we've been sort of working towards finding some guest speakers and uh, we have our first one lined up very soon. Um, so we, you're calling it Battle Brothers where we speak with people all around the world. Um, and I think that we're going to be speaking with your friend and the Death Watch group. And now that I know you have a Finnish friend, I think we'll be speaking with him too. If, uh, if I can, if I can get the guy to to get onto the, yeah, onto sure. the show, but yeah, I'd really like to get him on. And uh, the, one of my new painters, John, he uh, he is from England, so we will talk to him too because you know I, I certainly like to hear from all sorts of different folks. Right. So um, that'll be cool. We get to hear about wargaming all over the world. Um, all right, well, why don't we uh, take one more brief break, and then we'll come back, and we'll do a little bit of Overwatch, and uh, then we'll play our endgame, and uh, that'll be it, I think, for this week. So we'll take a brief break, and we'll be right back, guys. Are you a tabletop-quality painter in the Raleigh area with 10 hours or more a week to spare? Have you ever thought about becoming a commissioned painter before, but you weren't sure it was right for you? White Metal Games is looking for talented painters in the Raleigh area to join our studio team. You're paid by the job, not by the hour, so you can paint at your own pace. Send us pictures of your painted models to info at whitemetalgames.com, and we just might be interested in speaking with you. Put your minis where your mouth is. All right, guys, welcome back. And uh, we are going to move on to Overwatch. Overwatch is the segment of the show where we talk about whispers of what's coming down the pike, what are the rumors, and uh, what have we heard about. Um... So I think kind of in the spirit of what was going on before, uh, lots of new GW rumors on the pike this week. Lots of stuff coming up. I've heard rumors about dozens of new releases. There are rumors about Necron, or not Necrons, uh, Orcs for next year, IG. There's rumors about Wood Elves coming down the pike. And um, two Space Marine supplements, which those actually uh, have names, don't they? It's like Guardians of Terra or... Sentinels of Terra, I think. Yes, Sentinels of Terra, and I don't remember the name of the other yeah, one. Yeah, the other one was kind of weird. Um, so Sentinels of Terra, isn't that about... Um, That's the Imperial Fist's third yeah, company. exactly. Uh, so that one's kind of fun. And then there's another one. Uh, it's, it's escaping me right now because it was sort of an odd chapter. I was kind of surprised by this. Is it the, was it the White Scars? It wasn't White Scars, and that was what was surprising because that's all we had heard was White Scars. Um so it kind of left me left field, and it's completely escaping me right now. But I'll I'll research it between now and the time we post the show and figure out what it was. But <clears throat> so you know, a couple new chapters coming out, unique rules, unique scenarios. Um, Inquisition that kind of got dropped on us unexpectedly. Um, rumors of Inquisition as a new codex. In fact, we have cover art for that, so we know that's coming out. Um, and I haven't heard much about what that will incorporate. Like if that will allow you to take. You know, will you be taking Inquisition with like you know Grey Knight allies or Space Marine allies or or Sisters allies, or will it be a strong list on its own? You know, it'd be awesome if they had Death Watch kill teams. Yeah, that would be kind of fun. Um, you know, I've, I've I looked into Death Watch a little bit because Death Watch is kind of the militant arm of um, 
Oh, Lord. No. Ordo Xenos. Yeah, Ordo Xenos. Now, is the Inquisition technically kind of like an overseer of the Ordo Xenos, or is it kind of like... Uh, I don't even really know the hierarchy exactly. There, there are three branches of the Inquisition. You have the Ordo Xenos, which are alien hunters. You know, They deal with alien threats to the Imperium, whether it be you know things as common as Tau or Tyranids to the less known thing uh, species like enslavers. Right. Uh, then you have the Ordo Hereticus, which they are the witch hunters, the ones that hunt for rogue psychers and protect humanity or the Imperium from the depredations of, of the psyker. And then you have the Ordo Malleus, which are the demon hunters. Uh, each chamber of the Inquisition has its militant allies, and contrary to popular belief, the Battle Sisters are not the chamber militant of the Ordo Hereticus. I would have thought uh, they were. Actually, they were. They are actually attached to the Ecclesiarchy. But the Death Watch are the chamber militant, as you said, of the Ordo Xenos. Uh, so they, you know, it's, it's a, a disparate group of, of Space Marines from you know all the chapters uh, of the Adeptus Astartes in the Imperium. You know that form into these small groups to prosecute, you know, the various missions and strategy, stratagems and and whatnot against the alien. Uh, they're they're almost kind of the Delta Force kind of of uh, you know of the Adeptus uh, Adeptus Astartes. Yeah, so. I would say that's fair. Um, so the Grey Knights are the militant arm of the Ordo Malleus. Yeah. So I'll ask who are the who's the militant arm of the Hereticus? You know, I don't actually know the answer to that uh i think it's it's kind of a it, again it's not necessarily it's not the battle sisters but they're the ones that are the most employed sure that makes sense um okay so with the inquisition book coming out they could have all sorts of new stuff i imagine they'll redo the rules for the assassins i presume yes uh, maybe they'll maybe they'll even add more temples like yeah, that'd be fun. the the ones that use poison and you know that stuff yeah so that'd be fun so that I think people are really excited about because the Inquisition inspires. I mean, there, there's just sort of a. The Inquisition is just it's huge. It's a giant part of the game. I mean, the, the not the Death Watch game, but the uh, Dark Heresy game is completely right. all about the Inquisition. Um, right. So I feel like they're sort of the uh, unsung heroes is wrong, but more like the Judge Dreads of 40k. Like these guys are are sort of given unbelievable authority and power. Um, not necessarily over space marines, but in some cases, kind of over space marines. They, they're sort of like separate but equal. Um, yeah. Um, well, that that was what one of the first novels, forty k novels, was about. Uh, it was called the Inquisition War, and it was about inquisitors. And that was also Dan Abnett's first, one of his first forays into uh, writing about forty k. You know, the Eisenhorn, and then later the Ravenor, and now. Uh, this latest trilogy that he started with the first book being Pariah. Sure. You know. So, um, I'll ask the question. I've even heard rumors, very, very, very slight whispers about a Gene Steeler cult army book coming out. So, considering all of the stuff, all these supplements, the rapid release, that sort of thing, um, and we just talked about it in an earlier segment, how we like, I do like the new GW model, but I guess the question is not, is it too much, but how do you feel like the, the landscape of the game is going to change with this? Because as it is right now, if I play, let's say, you know, there's 16 armies out there, 
Yeah, yes. kind of less now that now now that Black Templars got folded into Marines, it's more like fifteen. Um, but if I play against a typical army, generally speaking, I can look across the table and have a pretty good idea what I'm facing. Now that Forge World has expanded its ranks, it's less definitive because there's lots of new stuff out there that I don't really know what it does. And so my enemies, my opponents, can sort of hit me with that, ha-ha, you know, surprise. Uh, and now, with this and all these new codexes coming out, especially the, the digital codexes, even more so, um, to the point that it's very difficult to know exactly what you're facing, um, I, I guess I'll ask, is this good? Is this a good direction? Because I, what I hear a lot is I hear people complaining about yeah. it a lot, and I, I kind of disagree with it because I feel like this is sort of a return to the mystery, yeah. which I really enjoy. Well, I'm about to piss off every tournament player, you know, uh, the, 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 the hardcore tournament players in 3, 2, 1, because I think this is a very good thing. And I think that 40K up until recently has been very stagnant in many ways kind of because... Stale. Right, because you see the same lists over and over and over again. Because, you know, a few years ago it was Leaf Blower, right? Right. You know, now you have, I don't know what the... Taldar what the, is the new flavor. Yeah, Taldar. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily pay attention to the meta because I'm not a tournament player. But I really like the fact that Games Workshop, I don't know if this is intentional or not. It would be awesome if it were. But I, I, don't, I like the fact that they're breaking up this, you know, this stagnation by releasing these various supplements and, you know, to release a, a, a gene stealer cult supplement, you know, if this rumor is true, would you speak completely awesome, you know? Be awesome. <clears throat> so this is very much a good thing. Yeah. I, 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 I tend to agree with you. Um, uh, I, I think that where people, where people get frustrated is that it, in this game, people like to win. And when they're playing against people that they don't know what's going on, they will lose a game or two. But let's be fair. I mean, generally speaking, we play against most of the same folks over and over again. So they're going to get right. a new army book. You're going to play them a couple times, lose once or twice, and then you'll start to figure it out. It's not a big deal. Right. I mean, we're, people are still limited by their, their resources being money. Right. I mean, so they're not going to buy. Yeah, maybe they buy the new Inquisition book, and maybe it's got some new models, but they're not going to buy everything. They can't afford it. Um, even if they can afford it, they don't have the time to build and paint everything. Right. So, you know, maybe create a house rule where if that's happening, like, be like, you know, hey, you know, if you're going to do it, maybe one new unit or maybe, like, it has to be painted or, I don't know, come up with something. But uh, well, I mean, something to limit it a little. Other games do it all the time. I mean, Magic the Gathering, for example, you have new supplements every three, three or so months or maybe, I don't know the exact cycle, but... And they introduce new mechanics and new rules all the time. And now, people seem to flourish in that, too. People right. seem to really like that. Now, granted, Magic the Gathering doesn't have the same level of complexity that Warhammer does, or Warhammer 40K, but the principle still applies. You know, I, guess you the, I guess when you buy a Magic deck, there's no assembly required. There's no Well, there's no assembly required, but uh, ultimately... Uh, the the level of complexity I'm talking about here is you don't have to worry and when you when I sit down and I play a game of of, of magic uh, I'm a commander player for any of the listener, listeners out there that cares or EDH if if you prefer uh, I don't have to worry about terrain you know whatever I don't have to worry about the, what the battlefield actually looks like true you know uh, and there's no there is there is a degree of randomization when you shuffle your deck but 
there's no die rolling. You know, whenever I sit down and let's say I'm going to have a unit of Space Marines shoot at something, and you know, let's say they're they're Deathwing, Deathwing Terminators with a Cyclone missile launcher, and I want to shoot some crack missiles at I don't know, say that uh, I don't know, just you know, pick whatever like that Chimera over there. Um, you know, statistically they should hit it, but the dice gods might hate me that day. And I might roll all ones, or I might not even glance the armor or anything on the chimera. You don't right. have to worry about those factors in magic. You know, there there isn't that level of, of randomization. There still is, of course, as I said, randomization, but not to that degree. Sure, makes sense. You know, so, but the point is, is I think that, you know, other games deal with, with more and more diversity all the time. You know, adding more diversity, and it's only a good thing because that teaches people to think outside the box and to, to imagine different approaches to their games. You know, yeah, and keeps things interesting. I would, I would agree with that as a rule. I think, I think you're pretty much spot on there. Um, and I think that the people who go to tournaments, you know, a lot of times those top contenders. They are playing the same list over and over, and, and when they get fidgety, it's because there's a new list or a new kid on the block that comes in with something new. But I, I hear this from, from people time and time again. The reason they go to tournaments is to play different armies and to play right. new players and to see new lists. So we can't, with our right hand, say we go to play new lists, and then with our left hand say we hate new lists. I mean, it's just not going to work. Like, embrace it. If there's new right. lists out there and you want to try them out... Go to lose, you know, just go in yeah. there with like your head held high and be like, you know what, you've got the advantage here. I have no idea what this is, but next time I'll I'll get ya. Yeah. you. Yeah, know? and and just go in there with that attitude. Like I'm I'm gonna lose. I'm gonna have fun. It's gonna be a barrel of laughs. And then even in the context of the story, when you think about forging the narrative of the game, isn't that kind of how it should be? Like if you're on the battlefield and a new unit applies or shows yeah. up, you shoot at it, but maybe shooting's the wrong approach. Or you assault it, not realizing that, yeah, it looks skinny, but it's made out of, right, whatever you know, adamantium I mean, or something. It's it's uh, Clausewitz, you know, the famous military uh, theorist of the 19th century, said that you know plans, your plans never survive contact with the enemy. Yeah, that's just how it is. There's some fun in that. I mean, yeah. the argument being that you know maybe your scouts tell you, hey, he's got something new, but you don't know exactly what it is, and there's some fun I think in that. Right. So, all right. So, generally, we like it. We think GW. We, we we love it. We want some more of it. We want. Yes. We want them to keep it up. So, very cool. Um. All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up for this episode. Um. Do you have anything else you want to chip in, or any sort of final thoughts for the week? I think I've preached enough. Okay. All right. Well, um, uh, War Council is a presentation of White Metal Games, and. Uh, I guess that's about it. So for War Council, my name is Caleb Dillon. And I'm Justin Jones. And until next time, put, put your, your minis where your, your mouth, mouth is. Posting. Did we post the podcast yet? We did? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I saw I saw I saw just the tip, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So um we <laughs> yeah, it's what a great name for a podcast or for a show. <laughs> it's new it's new Girls of Gaming segment where Aaron and I have to it's all we do is we give one single hobby tip. That's easy, and that was That's it. That's funny. That's fantastic. <laughs> so we called it just the tip, and of course, we start in on it, and Aaron wants to explain everything, and I was like, no, no, we just give those the tip, the tip only, nothing else. <laughs> so, people, so people don't... That's pretty good. I like that. 
Well, then they wanted to name my segment, my Hobby Mastery no, segment. Tim wanted Tim to name, wanted to name the Hobby Mastery segment Balls Deep. I'm like, my- <laughs> 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 why? All right, why would he call it Balls? Why? Like, <laughs> this kind of it. words, but Balls Deep, that's just... <laughs>